Welcome to the UFSA podcast. We'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the unceded, ancestral, and occupied lands of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Last week I sat down with UBC Film Society's radio show, The Real World, to talk about Charlie Kaufman's animated film, Anomalisa. As part of a cross-pollination between our two programs, we'll be presenting that episode here as well. We hope you enjoy the conversation. And you're listening to CITR 101.9 FM. We are broadcasting live from unceded Musqueam and Coast Salish territory here on UBC campus in Vancouver, BC, real world. Um, We are UBC Film Society's radio show, and we're connecting with other clubs on campus. Um, But today, um, we'll be talking about animation, and we have a special guest here with us today. Hi. Um, My name is Michael Stringer. I'm the head of academic events uh, for the Undergraduate Film Studies Association, so UFSA, and I'm also one of the co-producers for UFSA's podcast. Cool. And to remind us who the rest of us are. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, I, I'm Augustine, um, Compop's co- Computer Operations at Film Society. I'm Alex. I'm the bookings manager at FilmSoc. And I'm Jin, the productions manager at UBC Film Society. Um, just, we have Beer Garden today, just before I forget <laughs> to promote that. Um, I don't remember what room it's in. It's yeah, it's in a room, and we're playing the Big Lebowski. It's an annual. It's become an annual thing um, since like twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and check out Facebook. So check, check out, out Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Um, we're doing stuff today, and <laughs> yeah, I, and we have one last screening next week. That's for the right. Term. Yeah. Yeah. Wednesday. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so to it's actually a double screening. Yeah, it's a double screening. Yeah. 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 Um, check out Facebook again. <laughs> I don't quite remember what we're showing, but um, yeah, it's a weekly thing we do, and we're still continuing it next semester. So keep an eye out for that. Um, so today we're gonna be talking about animation, and specifically we decided to do things a little bit differently this time and we decided to all watch the same film so <laughs> that way we're all on the same page um but i really really like this one so we we watched anomalisa by charlie kaufman yeah. from and 2015 <laughs> duke uh, johnson right. is the animator mm-hmm. um and also just one of our and a, a second movie of our choosing or whatever we had watched before that is animated <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't, did any of you hear about this movie bef- before we... Yes, yeah. just because of the Academy Award stuff. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. I just knew the Charlie Kaufman animated movie, but that was it. Oh. Like, I had the poster in my head, but... I just, yeah, same. And I just knew that it was kind of weird. Like, I heard about that, but, like, I didn't really know how, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how weird it was. <laughs> but uh maybe also i think when you see like a poster at least for an animated film sometimes i just assume it's for kids mm. yeah. even though <laughs> i guess in the i knew that this wasn't necessarily like the same level of pixar or something like that but um yeah i just never even really thought about watching it 
or I didn't take it seriously or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think that's a well with animation, just like the way. I don't know. I guess like Disney and Pixar have a monopoly over mainstream animation, and like that's non-rated R material or non-adult yeah. content is usually the first thing that pops into your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was trying to think of like a second animated movie to bring up in relation to this one, I was like thinking of everything I'd seen and. Yeah, it was all just kid stuff. So it was really yeah. hard to find like something that would be comparable with a Charlie Kaufman animated movie. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, I was reading this other thing about anim. Well, it was more specifically had to do with like Disney animated films and how and why like you know films that are made for children are so popular. Um, like yeah. Inside Out and. Yeah. Wreck It Ralph yeah. up, um, and that's because just well they have the resources to afford it, but also just like the amount of work and storyboarding, like pre-production work that goes into it, as opposed to like um, live-action stuff, especially like big blockbusters where they're working on sets and productions before they actually finish the script, just because it takes so long mm-hmm. to do that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, just they're able to refine the story more, which is why it ends up being so like well-rounded because like i I don't really understand what you said because you said uh, the reason we see uh, animation in big productions is because they can refine things well they just have well because it's so yeah i should explain they (laughs) um they have like more resources to go no because it's so expensive to animate Mm -hmm. more is at stake when they mess up um, while they're animating. So before they even start to like fully animate something, they they will um, do a lot more pre-production yeah. work and storyboarding and like rough little animations before they actually do the real thing. And so by going through all these like iterations um, of making it before they make the mm. actual thing, they're just able to develop the story better and you end up feeling, you know, it's still very cheesy and like it's for kids. So um, it's like there's always like a lesson or moral to it that is explicitly stated but mm-hmm. the way it's told and the way it unfolds it's always a lot more like cohesive and less plot holes yeah like disney is such a mm-hmm. like storytelling machine that yeah. like, they, they polish things so much in that process that you're talking about that they have like yeah. so much time to go over things and like make sure everything is perfectly smoothed out mm-hmm. and the story is well told and, it, and it's interesting too that uh, Anomalisa would not be like a 3D animated movie, but like a stop motion animated movie. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. not, it doesn't look like other animated movies we're used to. Yeah. Um, yeah, the stop motion was really weird. Very <laughs> like, like staggered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the way it, they draw attention to it yeah. too, right? And it seems to like shift and change a little bit, or at least I thought it did. Like the faces by the end of it, like the top and lower half started changing a bit and i felt like the top half of the face started looking a little bit more real well oh yeah sorry yeah so like in with the animation um the like faces are segmented so like the bottom half of the face is like a different part than the top half of the face so you can see these weird little lines i thought they were glasses yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. (laughs) and so the top half where the eyes were i found like started changing by the end of the movie and started looking a little bit more real or a little bit more like actual live action on top of the model just yeah. at key moments it, it was it was very strange yeah i don't know if that was just like my brain yeah, getting used to it or <laughs> like they actually did something yeah. to affect mm. it yeah because at first my other impression of it was that 
when it first began um and i was like getting used to the way it looked um i was uh, and it also opens really slowly like it starts with yeah. a lot of small talk and it's all like a very slow dry process at first yeah, he's like in his hotel room for like half an hour yeah and so <laughs> i was like oh my god and, and so the just the plot like it didn't give way for any sort of um expression or like yeah. interesting things to happen so at first i was like oh they're totally gonna mess up like showing any human expression or yeah. emotive things in this because like just the first 30 minutes like yeah. you said like yeah. there's just nothing i'm like okay this sad is guy. yeah sad guy so that was yeah guy. yeah the way it looked um and i was like but this, hmm. it's also interesting that you know you, you have to get used to it so you don't really like notice at first that everyone else has right. the same face yeah, like we should yeah. mention it <laughs> yeah we should but i feel like you know i think if you know that that's the case at the beginning you right. immediately see yeah. it right yeah. But I felt like since you're like, oh, I don't know what's the real with with these animation, these faces, mm -hmm. you can't really perceive it at first, perceive that they all have the same face. Yeah, um, yeah so, so just to explain, basically, the movie yeah. has two characters, um, Michael and Lisa, and then mm -hmm. everyone else in the movie has the exact same animated face and the exact same voice, but uh, Michael and Lisa are have like unique voices and unique faces so that's just where the confusion comes in you don't notice that at first yeah yeah, yeah. i was thinking about what you you wrote about um the affordances of the medium <laughs> like i think because yeah. it's stop motion animation i almost just assumed that everyone had the same faces because that was like an easier way to produce it yeah. or that they didn't have to create as many models mm. and that would just be how it was and have nothing to do with the plot, you know? Yeah. But it, it actually was very deliberate and purposeful. Mm. Yeah. And even even the fact that it's disturbing that the faces are cut in half is, yeah, used as a plot thing. And I felt, you know, at the beginning, you, you really feel like this guy is unable to connect with anyone. Mm -hmm. And I felt like this idea, because I was, at the beginning, I was like, it's interesting that you need to use animations to show these things, right? Because they're very, you very like they're very mundane things to show. Going to a hotel, taking a taxi, uh, it's stuff we've seen in other movies many times, right? And I felt that maybe uh, using animation and this weird distance we have with it kind of illustrates the inability of Michael to connect with anyone, you know? Yeah, and they're like. The animation is also, like, a lot of it is very real or, like, presented in a very realistic way, but just enough off of being real to make it uncomfortable. Like, it's not full-on caricature and, like, super strange animation. It's just slightly different enough to be uh, strange, but, like, it's still just a hotel room and it's still scenes that are traditionally lit, like a regular movie, but everything is just off ever so slightly. And it makes it more uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I was reading something that mentioned that, like, um, they were telling, uh, I forget who, mm, the producer or the director, um, that, that, that it looked too weird. Like, when they first 3D printed the, um, oh. uh, the, mo the animated characters, like, they were like, I, I think it's going to be, like, 
it's too real but like not real enough yeah. so that it's gonna look like really disorienting and like in this like weird uncanny valley mm-hmm. yeah but um yeah i think it play it works and serves the film and the plot really well like you're slightly uncomfortable throughout mm-hmm. the entire yeah. thing even just with the faces with everyone's faces being the same but like having different costumes and wigs and having the yeah. same guy voice yeah, yeah. men and women and indiscriminately like mm-hmm. his wife and his child have the same <laughs> voice it's just really yeah. weird yeah yeah <laughs> i think and the the other thing for me at least um first like for for this film like it was the first stop motion anime film i seen that was depicting um humans and like reality in a way that wasn't stylized in mm. any way um so that for me seeing that the way it was shown was very like oh Especially in this one scene where he's like nude, it's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we're going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like, yeah, it was really interesting for me in that respect because like other ones I'd seen like Coraline and like uh, like yeah. that's a very like it's more cartoony, very cartoony. Right? And then so this was just like the the you know really trying and reaching and grasping that. And like, they still act like humans. Like yeah. I feel like yeah. in Coraline, it's it's, I guess stylized like you said. Yeah. But they don't feel the same kind of like rawness i felt watching anomalisa mm. like yeah. when mm-hmm. um michael and lisa and the other girl emily they come up and then michael asks lisa to go to his room and they're walking down the hallway that yeah. like awkwardness and that tension yeah. and she like trips and he comes to help <laughs> her up yeah it's so yeah. much more like grounded in reality yeah it just it felt like something it. i would yeah. see in in a live action movie yeah. that yeah. kind of tension and embarrassment yeah. which is amazing that you can do that in animation mm-hmm. that just awkward tension between two people not talking yeah. coming through in animation and then the like moment where he's trying to like get into his hotel room and the key doesn't yeah, and the work, key doesn't <laughs> work. And he has to do it over and over <laughs> and it's just like yeah those like very real little moments that make it less cartoony i guess mm-hmm. yeah yeah i like, i i'm not sure again like after a while like it just kind of was lost on me as you get like more and more immersed in it but i'm not like i'm not i'm mm, i'm not too sure how much the voice like which one had served the film more whether it was like the animation and the expressions that came from it because like i mentioned I, I was like oh they're totally gonna fall with like human expressions and i'm not sure if i just got used to it or or if the voices and the um voice acting helped more towards it and also the soundtrack was really really nicely done so i'm not sure which one had like more i, feel like I don't even remember what the soundtrack was yeah me I, neither i don't I, remember hearing music <laughs> <laughs> there was That's one sad. point where I remember the singing of the, uh, the oh, yeah, that's, all I, that's all I remember. Yeah. yeah, or like sound effects, or like which one served the film more. But mm. um, yeah, but it, yeah, it's interesting too. Like, so since they have, they also have the same voice. Like, I think you really um, sympathize with Michael when mm. you do hear another voice, right? Mm-hmm. And especially, um, I didn't recognize the voice, but Alex, you were telling me that the. Um, it's uh, Jason uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, who plays that character, right? And 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 it's a very recognizable voice. And so when you hear it, immediately you're like, oh, it's a different voice, and I know that voice, you know. And that mm-hmm. familiarity immediately kind of settles in, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, it's kind of what Michael is looking for, like something to connect to, something to be familiar with. Yeah. Yeah, and but like. I also find that we do identify with Michael when he, we hear this new voice and uh, like we've just been hearing the same other voice the whole time. But there's also 
something kind of monstrous about oh, yeah. his character and oh, like definitely. the way the movie builds is like yeah. set up to make him monstrous like yeah, yeah he doesn't have to have a wife and kid to have this affair like to find this moment and he doesn't mm-hmm. have to like the person who has the voice doesn't have to be someone who's so damaged that he would be like damaging her further by just eventually abandoning her by the end mm-hmm. and it's something that i've noticed in like a lot of Kaufman movies, yeah. how the like universe thing, like the the film itself, is built in a way to make the main male character like really horrible, but we identify with them anyway. Yeah, and there's a weird no. tension. I think it's an understanding because yeah. it is shown through their perspective yeah. that it's like, okay, I yeah, like it really builds the background and the history of the character, yeah. and and that leads towards you like okay, understanding like yeah. why. You, ter- they're terrible or something yeah. and then and then you kind of see it manifest um in his interactions and then you're like uh, and then you still understand but yeah. then you're you, but you're like you don't know how to feel you're like the whole yeah it just adds mm-hmm. to the the, the strangeness but of the movie also mm-hmm. like um i think it's interesting to compare it to other kaufman uh written movies because i think uh you know, I agree that there's this monstrosity, but by the end, like when you look at adaptation or spot, uh, Eternal Spot Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, or even being John Malkovich, yeah. that um, was the one I was thinking mostly about. Yeah, but <laughs> like at the at, at the end, you know, they, he's yeah. not monstrous anymore. Like he kind of recognized. They all kind of yeah. do that, right? Recognize how much they their view of the world led them to be very resentful of everything, right? But here, in and Melissa, it doesn't yeah. like he is trapped in his own mind. Uh, yeah, I think also the like, I don't know, the monstrosity of it in other movies is a bit more absurd. Like uh, the one I'm, yeah, I'm thinking of being John Malkovich and like when he puts his literally puts his girlfriend in a cage <laughs> and leaves her, and like the whole movie is so absurd um, that it 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 has that kind of strange tension about it. But this movie is absurd in like such a minor way that yeah. the tension is yeah, and it doesn't have that moment of like realization. Or yeah, I don't exactly. I don't know. It's just things that are noticed, and it, it just plays with how like how you identify with these characters, but also see them as kind of terrible, mm-hmm. and <laughs> manages to straddle that line the whole time in in very strange ways. Yeah, and I think he, cause you you're very with Michael, right? Um, and then when you start understanding that all he wants is to hear her voice and yeah. he's like, I'll listen to you. Right. And yeah. she's like very grateful <laughs> for that, but he doesn't really care what she says. Yeah. And in the yeah. end, like, which he, is kind of horrible, which is very way, horrible. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, when they have sex, he's like, can you talk during sex? <laughs> and she's like, I don't know. Should I moan? And he's like, that's fine too. <laughs> yeah. And like, well, no, because if you really care about what what she's you know what she's saying, yeah. And and then and then so you kind of get that weirdness. And then the next day, where he, I think he's very trapped and afraid to, for her to become like the others. But since he af- he's afraid of that, he notices everything, mm-hmm. everything that he doesn't like, and he gets. For me, it's a trap, right? Trapped into that way of thinking, obsessing over the fact that other people are unable, he's unable to connect with other people, and that's bound to happen. And so it does happen, you know? And, but it's, 
his own construction because at the end of course we see that she has her own voice and her friend does too and yeah me and jen were talking about whether his ex bella if she was ever like would look different than other people or had a different voice and we just don't know and then she became you know like the other characters but when you see them having dinner and she she they're both saying like oh we both thought that what we had was special but then he just mysteriously leaves with no kind of warning in the same way that he leaves lisa that makes it yeah Yeah. more about relationships and like how how are you talking about if you idealize someone or idolize somebody and then that perspective shifts once you see things that bother you or annoy you or whatever you know you're Mm -hmm they kind of drop off of that pedestal and then maybe they kind of just become like everybody Everyone else. else and you're yeah. like okay well i don't know it's just that like obviously yeah for him it's like taken to the extreme of like yeah having these like um yeah. really bad hallucinations about people <laughs> really actually looking at them and lisa same. lisa's a lot i realized just now that she's v- super similar to bella you know they're both very um self-deprecating mm-hmm. insecure yeah. and have yeah, yeah like no confidence and i think he kind of abuses that and manipulates that yeah. Yeah. To get what he wants or his his praise and like all the compliments he gives puts them in a position that they're willing to do whatever what he, for him. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. There's yeah. A Which lot makes to, him even yeah. worse because I'm, right. I'm sure that he's aware of it and what he's doing. And well, also, yeah. And also, I think as an audience, we're very complicit in that. We're forced into being complicit in that because we actually see that everyone else is the same. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not even though we know that. You know, that's a, a, a way of, that he's saying we're very much in that. And so for a lot of moments, you're like, fuck, everyone's the same. Everyone <laughs> loves them or whatever. And you're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot to explore. And I realize <laughs> that we um, will go more into the plot of what actually happens <laughs> after the break that we're going to take right now. Um, and we'll be right back. Okay, and we're back uh, with The Real World on CITR 101.9 FM. Um, yeah, so we're talking about Anomalisa, the animation, um, and we are going to continue our discussion, which I realized we didn't really go into the plot of. Um, and that was <laughs> It's a thin plot. Though. It's a thin, yeah, true, true, true. It's true, like true. a guy in a hotel. Middle-aged guy is sad. Classic yeah. story. Um, so a bit of background. So this guy, Michael, he is like middle aged, um, and wrote a book about customer service. Um, he's giving a speech in Cincinnati, Ohio for one day in the Midwest somewhere. No, that's not the Midwest. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's haunted. Well, at first it's, it's very mundane and he's like haunted by this past lover that lives in the city that he just keeps thinking about throughout. Um, and he has, what is the exact name of it? Fergoli Delusion, um, which is yeah, also the, the name, name of the hotel he's staying yeah. at. And so this, it's, it's and I, I didn't know about this before. I, I feel like we can't assume that that's what he has, though. Like, that might yeah. be a connection they're trying to make, but I don't think they're saying, like, this person that's physically true. has yeah. this. I mean, it's it's never does say that, that he does say several times that there's something wrong with him. 
it might but be I think a concoction more, I, yeah, of like, like several yeah. different yeah. things more as open well. Inter- interpretation. Yeah. That's yeah. not like a medical diagnosis of yeah, something. Yeah, it's never been stated. That I think they're just like this. kind of throwing out these ties yeah. for us to make. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, as we've been talking about, there's like a billion ways to read how like what he, he reacts has. to things yeah. and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Oh, yeah. But it's the name of the hotel as well. And he um and basically every character um other than him and this other woman lisa um they all have the same face and the same voice and they're all played by the same actor um and so what else happens after that so he yeah he he meets lisa he meets two women he meets lisa and um emily her, emily and he is immediately and emily um, lisa has a different voice so he's immediately like oh wow like Drawn someone that, yeah. yeah someone with a different voice um and he's immediately like totally enamored by her and like invites her back to his room and she's like a very insecure character um and prior to that he had met up well, mm, I forgot to mention this. He met up with his past lover, yeah. and who he also invited back to his room. And she's like very offended. She's like, "What are you doing?" Um, and she leaves. Um, and again, she has like the same voice as everyone else. But when he meets Lisa, um, he's immediately uh, very attracted to her and her voice specifically. Um, and then, and then the ne- the morning after. Um, after he, well, has he has this like very yeah. intense nightmare <laughs> which uh, in the nightmare he's like he finds that everyone's trying to tear him away from lisa and everyone loves him um but they all look the same and he's very very freaked out by this um and so he, when he wakes up he like is telling lisa okay we have to like um i'm gonna leave my wife and child and we're gonna move in together in LA and you know it's just going to be me and you against the world kind of thing um and then and then she's like yeah sure <laughs> I'm <laughs> so willing and she's like a very insecure character um someone who's like you know constantly belittling herself throughout the mm. movie um talking about like how everyone likes Emily um and she's not very smart or very pretty and um, constantly verbalizing these very negative things about herself um, and he's like this voice of reassurance of like yeah no you're you're gorgeous and she's constantly like um, complimenting him um, and then and then what happens it, she starts when she's talking she's mm. hitting her fork against her teeth <sighs> while she's eating and chewing oh, on her mouth full yeah, and yeah. he like, gets very aggressive very quickly like can you stop doing that can you not do that and then slowly yeah. her voice starts morphing with the voice that's played by all the other characters. So that yeah. Tom Noonan's voice or whatever. Um, but her voice and that voice start like becoming one and her face is kind of shifting a little bit in mm-hmm. as like the sunlight's coming through the window. Um, I in, think he's he, yeah, he's having the realization, you know, that she's just like it might not be what he thought. Yeah. yeah. And okay, in that moment though, I like despite what Michael was meant, <laughs> the Michael that's <laughs> here, <life> yeah, <laughs> what he was mentioning about like um, what you were mentioning about you depicting him as this monster and like seeing all these negative sides about him, especially um, when he's just very much idolizing and fetishizing in a way uh, um, of Lisa's voice. Um, despite that, like in that moment when her voice starts distorting, like I was getting really nervous and I was like, no, like, please change back. 
like please be <laughs> that one yeah. different voice and mm-hmm. like um you know despite him being who he is i was still very much like on his side of like wanting them to be together yeah. which was an odd which i didn't think i would feel but yeah and I, what really shocked me during that conversation at the end was that she asks him about his wife and his child and he's just like you're being very controlling right now and while he's like very annoyed by everything uh she does and and being extremely um you know micro controlling whatever and and he has this unawareness of doing that and then that's a moment where i think we become very aware of that but he's still in that and that's a moment where we completely split with michael i feel Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very strange and like harsh moment. Yeah. Yeah. I was also thinking about um for the voice and his prior um love. I, uh, he when he he decides so he's in since he's in the same city as in Cincinnati. Uh, he's like okay, I should call her, and he's very surprised by her voice. He, right, he doesn't yeah. recognize her because uh, yeah. she has the voice of everyone. And we can assume, I guess, that when he used to be fond of her, um, she had another voice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, she was she was saying, oh, I've put on weight. You might not recognize me. Yeah. Like She acknowledges that she looks different from when he knew her. And yeah. she, he didn't recognize her when she came into the bar of the hotel. Remember? Uh, yeah. Another woman came in and he was kind of following her but then yeah. Bella came in and he was like oh yeah so it's possible that she used to be different also yeah yeah like when um Lisa starts changing her voice and her face start changing that's also when I was wondering whether or not Bella had been a unique person too and then mm-hmm. that's why he just ran away because she changed all of a sudden yeah. um and that's just something that he does um but mm-hmm. yeah now like looking back at it and finding all of those like clues that he didn't recognize her at first or he didn't recognize her voice kind of like adds to that well and then the decision to keep lisa's voice well actually i don't i don't remember if emily okay um going back to the plot sorry so (laughs) after that he he goes to the conference and he has like a breakdown when he's giving a presentation (laughs) and he goes into like um talking about the american government and like how he's super depressed and like nothing he has makes no one sense. to talk to he has no one to talk to he wants to cry but he can't um and all these things and and it kind of um it, it doesn't show that much audience reaction but like you can hear voices mm-hmm. of people talking and then in the end then he's seen um going back home and he's brought this like japanese animatronic sex toy for, <laughs> for his son um and Who's like 10. Who's like 10. (laughs) And his wife has thrown him a surprise party and he's like very like apathetic about everything. He's like, I don't recognize anyone. Um, What are these people doing here? And then um, and then it cuts to Lisa and Emily driving back home from the conference. And um, this was the point I wanted to make. (laughs) Um, And Lisa's voice is still this like different, which I'm not. Yeah. The decision looks different again. yeah. Yeah. So I'm not. And Emily also looks different. Emily also yeah. looks... Emily didn't talk in that scene, did she? No, she no. just, like, looks over. Yeah, so you don't hear if her voice is... But we can't assume if she looks different, that she That's, probably yeah, has, like, yeah. a distinct identity at this point. So it, like, makes you wonder if it's just, you know, 
uh, Michael, the way he's seeing people, he's only seeing people looking the same way and sounding the same way. But when they're off on their own in the yeah. real world, they actually are the people that they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he just can't access it. And I think that's um, part of like uh, the movie drawing attention to itself being a movie, you know, mm-hmm. because this question of perspective, right, of who's looking at what. Uh, if it's Michael that looking that's looking at things, he's gonna see everyone. Or, or if you know, if it wasn't him and just the movie being itself, we'd see other people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and there's this whole these whole parts, especially at the beginning of the movie, where nothing happens. We just hear voices, and then someone says, "Oh, there's a plane," yeah. and we see a plane. <laughs> uh, but in fact, it's like there it's a voices inside a plane. But there's this conflation with the spectators and voices around and that yeah. speech even though we don't see the audience it's kind of like we are the audience i feel like yeah, yeah. seeing this movie in a theater uh, has a d- very different mm. um experience um but i feel like there's this idea that michael is a character you know mm. um and and we're looking at into his life mm. um uh and into what he does and when for example when uh he has his nightmare, and uh, he meets up with this uh, manager or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And <coughs> he's like, "I know you had an affair." Yeah. Michael's like, "How? How do you know?" There's like a giant hole in yeah. the middle <laughs> of his office. Which, yeah, sorry, I just wanted to bring that up before <laughs> I forget. <Yeah>. Continue. <laughs> but uh, I'll finish with that. But like, he knows that he has an affair, and we don't know why. Yeah. But it feels like everyone just looking into this guy's life. Mm. Like it's very we're doing self-involved, it. though. Yeah. You know that the manager is like, "Oh, we all love you. I oh, love yeah. you." And I'm like, "Who dreams about that? Yeah. You know no, that no, everyone no, in the world time, like, is obsessed with you." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's and horrible. He hates it, and he's like, <laughs> it's so "But I'm like, weird. what? Like, what drives you to that thought that like yeah. everyone's after you and everyone is like obsessed with you?" I guess it, it's but a like, certain yeah. type of paranoia. It's not but necessarily yeah, narcissism. Like, yeah, I'm wondering. Sorry. No, that like also that the movie does move between whether or not he is like mentally ill or if he Mm -hmm. has problems or not and when he wakes up from the dream his reaction is so clearly like a paranoid schizophrenic reaction to things like he's just grabbing his stuff wants to run away and he's grabbing lisa to come with him and she's like oh you're hurting me and he's just having a complete mental breakdown it would appear and then he comes back and he has the speech so it like straddles this line of like whether or not he's just insanely in love with someone or if he's just insane (laughs) it's it's yeah it never yeah. spells it out. But, but what I meant to say, too, is that um, we kind of are these people who love Michael, you know, by just watching the movie, you know, watching his story, you know. But I don't know. So th- that felt kind of weird to be in that position, too. I don't know and if I love Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I no, no, definitely. Not, not I don't love, love him. Not but love, but, like, yeah, for me, like I was saying, with that scene of, like, relate wanting at least his voice to turn back to normal mm, for yeah. him because I was like, oh my god, I don't want him to like, eat despite you know being married and having a kid <laughs> and like going through all these things. Like I, I would still want him to like be with her because it seems to be the only thing that's grounding him. And as like me watching Mike, like I want that him yeah. to be okay. And then, you, then yeah. you're getting aware that he doesn't give a shit about her. And yeah. So. yeah. But also that like weird paranoia about how everyone else looks at you and that uh, 
just uncomfortableness with other people is something that's like in all of Charlie Kaufman's <laughs> yeah. movies. He just like seems to be very uncomfortable with the rest <laughs> of the world, and that's what he puts into all of his like screenplays and movies. Yeah. So it does come back to like being John Malkovich or adaptation. Yeah. Or yeah, like the the idea like when you like hear people in a group laughing that they're laughing, yeah, they're at, laughing you, at you, but like taken to the, to the extreme. extreme. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, was there any, okay, okay, one thing I also want to point out before we move on, um, so I mentioned the Japanese animatronic, so it happens at the beginning and at the end, like, it reappears, so what, does, I don't understand, I don't understand why it was put in there, (laughs) I don't know if it was trying to highlight, oh, him, like, idealizing Lisa and that voice, or like they are all animatronics. Yeah, they are, yeah. It turns into it is like a yeah robot. Like at the end, you just see it. And you're it's not like sure what it is. It's like half robot, half. And you can, like I mean, half flesh. of her face yeah. is missing, which you draw connections half. to yeah. like him losing half of his face. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also like um, part of her face that's not missing is damaged at the same area that Lisa has a, a I don't right, know, a scar. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, okay. So there yeah. seems to be a lot of, like, things to like, draw connections to, but I haven't it's like, made sense of it yeah, yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, why is it... Mm. Oh. Well, it also sings, and Lisa sang. That's true. Girls yeah. just want to have yeah. fun. Damn. And it sings in a voice that is not like everyone else's. Yeah, it's yeah, like that's a woman's true. voice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's the connection <laughs> there, yeah. folks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it. it's also <laughs> interesting that the song that... So, Girls Just Want to Have Fun... Um, like she says that she's very drawn by the line uh i want to be the one to walk in the sun and that's the line that follows uh the fact that like boys want to control girls Hmm. i don't exactly know the line well then and also as you pointed out like when her face starts changing it's like when the sun is on her her like very bright yeah Yeah, and great connections she she, she (laughs) says i probably don't look good in the sun like i can probably see all my flaws Oh my yeah, goodness! Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And and Michael is <laughs> There's your thesis. being very controlling of her. Yeah, at that moment. And she's in the sun, yeah. and she's walking, and she's kind of being herself, and he doesn't like that. <gasps> yeah. You know? Wow. Well, good movie. Good movie. Um. Okay. Well, with okay, we're gonna take a break, and then in like the last <laughs> few minutes we have left. Um, we're gonna briefly talk about the other movies that the four of us <laughs> watched. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, and we're back. And we're back. Um, CITR 101.9 FM. You're listening to the real world. Um, so with like 10 minutes left, we've decided that we're just gonna keep talking about Anomalisa for a little <laughs> bit. And then we'll tell you about the amazing other animated films that you should check out because animation is, especially, fun. yeah, it's fun, um, not just for kids. And there's a lot of great, like, mature content out there that's in animation. Even even kids' animation. Is even nice. kids' animation yeah. is pretty good. But I think just, like, broadening yeah, the, yeah. you know, content of it is pretty cool. Um, okay, what, okay, we, we made a, we, we did some research, um, that yes, <laughs> we had a break. <laughs> Alex, the investigator. Um, so what, what, what did we find? Um, so all of us were kind of wondering what the meaning of the, the Japanese sex doll was in the film. Um, Michael, he goes to this toy store thinking it's like a actual toy store, like to get something for his son. Um, but then he realizes that it's sex toys. 
But the only thing he buys from there is this antique Japanese sex doll. And then we were just talking about how from that scene it cuts in a really quick transition back to his hotel room and he's taking a shower. And then after that is when he meets Lisa, when he hears her voice, is right when he gets out of the shower. Um, So a lot of the theories that we were reading were drawing connections between the doll and Lisa and the possibility that Lisa is just imagined. Yeah. And it's just Michael's kind of like manifestation of the doll in his search for something, somebody different, someone to love. And I mean, there's like, and then in the end, the doll shows up again with like being given to the kid. And it, 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 there is fluids (laughs) fluids that come out of the doll that wouldn't have been there otherwise. Yeah, I mean, if it's an antique that was sitting in a shop beforehand, there's really only one place it could have come from. (laughs) Oh my god. Um, Yeah, well, the other thing um, that we were like, oh, it could be this or it could be that, was like the idea that um, Lisa and Emily do show up again in the end and they both have like their own faces and um, Lisa has her you know, very distinct voice once again, and she's, like, writing a letter to Michael, which... Like, I, I think it's not a... The whole doll reading is not, like, a strict reading. Not right? a strict reading, it's but, like... It's, like, more, like, the... a parallel between yeah. Lisa and what she represents and mm-hmm. how she's used by Michael and yeah. stuff like that, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, and also the point about the language. Sorry. Um, oh, yeah. Japanese, Japanese, oh, yeah, yeah, Lisa mentions that she's really interested in Japanese. And yeah. the doll and her both have the same scarring. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 And anomalisa means um, goddess, goddess of, of heaven. Goddess of heaven and But like when she's reading in she's Japanese. writing the letter in the end, Lisa's writing the letter, it's very you know, she's like, Oh, I hope we meet again someday. Like I don't know if that's a rational reaction from someone in that situation. So that almost makes me believe that it's Michael's imagined version of what he wants to happen, you know, that Yeah. That he hopes he'll meet someone again who is different and unique and yeah and she's he, yeah and she's also just writing a letter the same way that uh his other ex bella, had, written, yeah. bella yeah. had written him a letter mm-hmm. which is just a weird thing to do to an ex just write a letter <laughs> so it seems like he's pulling things from his actual life to like bring into this fantasy yeah and compared to bella's letter which was really harsh yeah. you know she was like you destroyed me blah 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 Lisa's letter is like a sharp contrast where she's like, oh, our time was really special. Yeah. I hope I see you again. So that's, I feel like that's very much more indicative yeah. of his hopes and his desires rather than her feelings as a person, if she is a person. Especially yeah. as, if you look at the parallel with the doll, since he gave it to gave it to his son, he can't use it anymore. But what I meant to say also is that um, he has a weird, really, um, weird relationship with letters right because like even the letter from his ex uh, it's like they haven't seen each other in 11 years and he still has the letter and it haunts him literally right because there's this apparition of of his ex so i feel like he kind of like keeps in a very yeah fetishizing way again like he's a Mm -hmm. fetishist of keeping these letters uh, as like signals of what had been you know and but also if like the whole because we were drawing parallels with how he acted towards Bella and how he's acting towards Lisa being very similar but in his fantasy world he hasn't hurt Lisa at all Mm -hmm. she's totally fine with it so maybe it's just a way of in his mind making everything that went wrong with Bella right in his fantasy world and he gets a nice letter instead of a mean letter and 
you know yeah. everything's okay redoing he just the history because mm-hmm. he he really has no remorse for what happened with bella yeah. you know when they have a drink and she says can you try to explain what happened and he's like i have no. pride I have I have problems. exactly none of it is <laughs> is like re- taking any kind of responsibility or anything for what happened he and already he's just trying to manipulate her again you know trying to get her to his yeah. room and whatever um I don't know. He doesn't have good intentions, and he can't see himself. There's no self-awareness of the damage that he does to other people. Yeah, yeah. and it's after the bad meeting with Bella that he goes to the toy shop, mm-hmm. and then this potential fantasy happens. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly, right? Shortly after, like that whole situation gets brought up again. Yeah. So and maybe his again. his rejection and his lack of resolution with that is just kind of the catalyst for this entire imagined. Yeah. Affair. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Where he isn't the bad guy. <laughs> That's like but the whole like, oh, it was just a dream thing at the end of yeah. movies. You know, that gives me the same feeling. But but also yeah. it's interesting that even though that kind of resolved this weird yeah. affair, it's still very wrong. Like he's still yeah. very not happy with his family, and he feels stuck in that. Which is like it seems to be that he resolves things in in his fantasies. Right, like, right. And like then, that's his way still, of like, like his having control. That's how he gets through his uh-huh. horrible life that he doesn't like. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so sad. Oh my god. <laughs> He's a very sad character. <laughs> Just uh, like very emblematic of like problematic. Yeah, yeah of <laughs> midlife crisis, but like really extreme. Um, okay. Do we want to just shout out our oh, yeah, other yeah. films? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, other film I watched uh, before on the plane. Breadwinner. Breadwinner. I watched Breadwinner. That was really, um, it's a really good film. I it's a really long thing to get into, but um, I highly suggest that everyone watch it. So. Um, I would have talked about Akira, which mm-hmm. I just saw for the first time a couple weeks ago. That's a very mature animated film. I think <laughs> like I wasn't really ready for the amount of violence and stuff, but it's very cool to watch considering it's made in the eighties. Um, but I feel like it's still very relevant and timely right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like anybody could get into that. When does it um, when does it takes take place? If I remember the twenty nineteen. Oh, right. yeah. Next year. <laughs> um, uh, I watched uh, Waking Life, uh, Richard Linklater's animated movie. Um, just or at least I brought it up when I was trying to connect it to this movie because it's also it's very mature and it has animation that kind of is awkward between. Um, being very realistic and being very caricaturistic and it moves between like dreams and reality the same way this movie kind of moves between insanity and maybe fantasies mm-hmm. uh, and reality so I thought it was a pretty good movie too and I would have talked about uh, The Girl Without Hands uh, that he made by uh, Sebastian, Sebastian Lodenbach and it's a it's kind of mature um, it's based on a uh, count of a uh, fairy tale of the Grimm brothers, mm-hmm. and um, it's animated in a very peculiar way where the shapes are kind of shapeless, like they move from one thing to another. Uh, uh, nothing is really contained. Um, it's very fluid and very organic, and uh, I like it a lot. Cool. Woo. Okay, thank you for tuning in for this episode of The Real World on CITR 101.9 FM. Um, and we will maybe have a show next week. <laughs> <laughs> We're not uh, sure yet, but uh, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
This episode is produced by Christian Diaz Duran, Diraj Warren, and Michael Stringer. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from.